Come on, 11 a.m., let's make some noise. Like you've had coffee, like you've got caffeine in your bloodstream. Let's lift up a shout of praise for Jesus Christ. He shall reign forever and ever and ever. Woo! No rival and no equal. We have a God who cannot be exaggerated, amen? You feel good, you feel alive? You look good. You may take a seat. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. We are imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. And we take our perfect God very seriously. We don't, however, take ourselves very seriously. And I pray that shows. Exhibit A, we posted this on social media just a few days ago. Get to know your pastor, Doug. And you know what? This is harsh, but not wrong. Hat covers up his gray hair. Correct. That's why I cut the sides short. Squinty eyes, probably because he has a migraine. It's just 15 years of chronic pain, but I'm glad that guy gets a giggle out of it. That's good. <laughs> on his fourth wedding ring, $8 on Amazon. Highly recommended. Email me. I'll send you the link. In case he never told you, got saved from the ocean on Bondi Rescue in Australia. I've used that in a lot of sermon illustrations. Almost died. So, big part of my testimony. So... Changes into shorts as soon as church is over, and I'm already counting down the seconds until I can do that. This preacher loves sneakers, green juice and charms once a day, except I'm on a cleanse right now, so only green juices for this month, so get your facts right. Stats, let's see. Enneagram number, one wing nine. What is this, a new age church? For real. I've even done hot yoga, if you can believe that. I said Jesus under my breath the whole time, don't worry. Drives a 2015 Chevy Cruze, four-cylinder, to intimidate my subordinates. <laughs> Not many people can handle the Chevy Cruze 2015 edition. It's a lot under the hood. Preaching style, volume makes up for content, height average. Favorite song, Wide Awake by Katy Perry. I would do that. I would pick the greatest song ever written as my favorite song. So classic me. And favorite TV show, The Office. Well, that's just the correct answer. That's just the correct answer. And uh, please know we have these of Ryan and Ethan coming your way. It's our gift to you. These have been hanging above the urinals in the men's restroom since January. And so welcome to Red Rocks Church. With that said, we are starting a new series. That's the only transition I could think of on a short notice. A new series. Uh, you can go ahead and take that down because now I'm getting serious and you will not take me seriously if that's on the TV. So, okay, we're on our good behavior now. This is church after all. A new series I'm so excited about, expecting about, called Wonder and Where to Find It. Here's our working definition of wonder. A feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. Scott Erickson says this, wonder is not an exterior destination. I love that because it puts the ownership on us and not our surroundings. Wonder is an interior filter that you learn, somebody say learn, that you learn to see life through. And I love that definition. However, I would change one word. I would change the word learn to relearn. Because how many know, once upon a time when you were a little kid, wonder just happened easily for you. But then you grew up and you got smarter. 
and you found out firsthand, there's actually a lot of things, you know what, you, you probably should worry about. And you found out this world is actually not that great a lot of times. And people can do horrible things and life can be incredibly painful. And the same imagination that used to lead you into wonder now leads you into worry. And the same mind that used to lead you into awe now leads you into anxiety, which leads me to believe that wonder is something we need to relearn. And Jesus shows us that one way, maybe the main way we relearn wonder is through children. He shows us this in Mark chapter 10. We're gonna read four simple verses. If you have your Bible, go straight there, Mark chapter 10. It's in the very beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark. If you've hit Luke, you've gone too far. If you're in Leviticus, you haven't read the Bible in a long time, welcome back. Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, here we go. The parents kept bringing their little children to Jesus so he would lay his hands on them and bless them. But the disciples kept rebuking and scolding the people for doing it. When Jesus saw what was happening, he became indignant. This is the mama bear part of the heart of God. He became indignant with his disciples and said to them, let the little children come to me and never hinder them. Don't you know that God's kingdom exists for such as these? Listen to the truth I speak. Whoever does not open their arms to receive God's kingdom like a teachable child will never enter it. Then he embraced each child and laying his hands on them, he lovingly blessed each one. We're gonna call this message for the first installment of wonder, mystery, and curiosity. Mystery, and curiosity for all you note takers, mystery and curiosity. So Jesus, would you teach us today to relearn wonder as an interior filter through which we see the world? Jesus, would your name be glorified and made more famous in our city because of what happens in this place today? You shall reign forever and ever. There is nobody like you and there will never be. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Jesus loves children. He loves children and he loves finding childlike wonder in adults. And that's why when some parents brought their kids to Jesus so he could bless them, in the middle of him teaching a Bible study, Jesus was not interrupted by it. Now his disciples, well-intentioned as they were, tried to put a stop to it. Whoa, 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 wait a second. Get these sticky, little booger-faced, snotty-nosed kids out of here. The Son of God is speaking right now. This is, this is the Lord for crying out loud. But Jesus rebuked his disciples and said, never hinder these children or any such as these from coming to me. And he excitedly, with a thrill, blessed these kids. And so the sermon before the sermon is this, bring your kids to Jesus, church. 
Bring your kids to Jesus. The next time we do child dedication in here, bring your kids and give them to Jesus in front of your friends and family. If you're a single parent, bring your kids here. We'll, bring your, we'll be your family. Bring your kids to child dedication and dedicate them to God, committing to raise them as if they belong to him before they belong to you. Bring your kids to Kids Rock. They don't get babysat back there. They get brought to Jesus back there. They hear about the love of this eternal God who cares so deeply about them. Your neighbors who have kids, get them to church, not just for the adults, but because your invitation might be those kids only invitation to get brought to Jesus and hear about the love of God in the most formative years of their lives. How many kids got blessed that day by Jesus in Galilee? Only the ones whose parents brought them to Jesus. Bring your kids to Jesus. Amen. It's the sermon before the sermon. The rest of the sermon continues now. Relearning wonder is my favorite part about having kids by far. Ethan and I take our two-year-olds, Will and Zeke, to the park most evenings. It's the best part of the entire week because you get to watch wonder in action. My two-year-old Will, when he spots the moon every evening for the first time, oh my gosh, what you see in his eyes. Dad, moon, the moon, dad, star. Star, wow, I know, buddy, isn't that so? Dad, star, I know, dad, star, yeah, buddy, dad, star. I'm like, technically, bud, we could do this times infinity, and that's kind of the point. When him and Zeke find a roly-poly or a squirrel at the park, game over, all bets are off. It's that Lego movie line, everything is awesome. When you see the world through the interior filter of wonder, and I just have to believe Jesus loves that. Levi Lusco said, what Jesus was building is a youth-led movement. It is the very heart of the kingdom of God, both youth and those with the youthful spirit. If you are older in years, you are here. You're drawn to this church and the kingdom of God because you have a young heart and a youthful spirit. I met an amazing woman named Lucy at the 9 a.m. last week. She showed up for the 9, 25 minutes early, just a rock star churchgoer, right? 25 minutes early because she had been watching online, fell in love with our church, so she came in person for the first time, but she took one look around and said, I felt too old like I didn't belong, and she left. She walked back out to the parking lot, got in her car, started driving home, got halfway home when something told her to go back. She got back right as the nine was starting. I met her at the front door, and she told me, something told me to come back here because you know what? I do belong here, and I do fit in here, to which I said, absolutely you do. This is a church for those who have a youthful spirit, and that is you. You found your people. And we found you, welcome home. This is a church. The kingdom of heaven is for those who can receive it like little children. So in honor of Lucy, this sermon in one sentence is this. The most mature adult has the most infant heart. Why does God like kids? Maybe because kids remind God of himself. I don't know if you're ready for this quote that's coming at you right now. G.K. Chesterton, God has the eternal appetite for infancy. For we have sinned and grown old and our father is younger than we are. 
So think about this. There was no death until there was sin. Sin is why we get old. Our sinless God does not age. He is eternal and yet forever young, which is why you could say he is younger than us. He loves a youthful spirit because the heart of a child is the filter of wonder. You relearn to see life through again. So I wanna give you two ways to do that, two ways to recapture the wonder that used to come so easy for you, two ways to relearn wonder. Does that sound good? Are you excited? Promise? Okay, here we go. I'm so pumped about both of these. Here's number one, enjoy mystery. Enjoy, somebody's pumped. Enjoy mystery. We need to learn not just to embrace mystery, but to enjoy mystery. Without mystery, there is no wonder. Without wonder, there is no worship. So here are three words I find myself saying a lot more often nowadays in order to practice enjoying mystery. Are you ready? I don't know. I don't know. That's really hard for me to say. I'll be the culprit here because historically, true story, I have given people directions before without fully knowing the way. I just didn't wanna be rude. I felt like I was supposed to have an answer, so I gave directions without entirely being sure on exactly how to get there. And the weird part is, is I found myself like believing me. (laughs) Even in my mind, I'm like, I don't really know, but this sounds right. You know what, this is absolutely how you do. It's like that Beats by Dre commercial with the headphones. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. And I believe every lie I've ever told. There's so much truth to that, so here, here is what I wanna say. Beware of the times where your certainty becomes sinful. Be cautious of any Christian who will so confidently make big statements about deep mysteries and say stuff like, here's why COVID happened. Here's the side God is on. I'm like, well, you might be right, but my goodness, so confidently, or maybe the better word is arrogantly, And I'll be the culprit too. Like, I feel like pressure to have answers, but let me give you an answer that is so refreshing to give and to receive. I don't know. Judah Smith, I pray the days of Christians being know-it-alls is over. Because those who think they know it all are so annoying to those of us who actually do. Can I get an amen? Do not amen that. My goodness, do not amen that. Hey, can I as a pastor just go on record today and say publicly there are so many times where I just don't know and that's okay. And I've talked to so many people even during this pandemic and this season who just want answers and I absolutely don't blame them. I do too. I have best friends right now who are just going through hell people who have lost loved ones, lost parents, lost jobs, financial pressure, miscarriages, and and want to know why would God have me go through something like this? And sometimes the best answer I have is simply just, "Ah, I, I don't know. 
And I retired from being that Christian who just offers cold comfort a few years ago. Do you know what I mean when I say cold comfort? It's usually a well-meaning Christian who quotes Romans 8.28 to you at the wrong time. So it's the right thing to say, but it's the wrong moment, which renders it ineffective, which means it's actually wrong. You know, brother, God's gonna work out all things for the good of those who love him. And you're like, bro, she just broke up with me like 24 minutes ago, man. Like, I know that. I know that, but right now I need you just to, to be here with me. Like be, be mad with me. You just wanna punch that guy in the face and quote the same verse back to him. <laughs> Brother, God's gonna work that black guy out for your good because you love him. Take heart. <laughs> I've learned this from hospital visits. You don't always have to have all the right answers at exactly the right moment. Way more often than not, the power of your presence is everything. I don't know, but I'm here. Picture the disciples on the boat in the middle of the storm. All they were trying to do was cross the lake to the other side. You wanna know why? Because Jesus told them to cross the lake to the other side. You ever feel like you're just trying to do what God asked you to do and it starts storming on your life? Like, why the storms, God? I don't always know. Sometimes it just storms. Well, why does it feel like Jesus is taking a nap in my boat in the middle of this storm? I don't always know. I know he's a good, good shepherd, a good, good father. He's a good God who will be faithful to carry you on to completion. I know his rod and his staff will comfort you and he's with you in the middle of this. I know he'll get you to the other side and when he does, you will be stronger and better, more mature, more complete, lacking less, more in love with Jesus. I know all of that's true, but in the moment, in your boat, during the storm, I don't always know. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts, higher than our thoughts. That's Isaiah 55. How, how, like, how much higher the heavens are than the earth. That's how much higher his thoughts are than our thoughts. And that's how much higher his ways are than our ways without mystery. There is no wonder without wonder. There is no worship. He is not a God of confusion, but he is a God of mystery. And look right at me. You want him that way. You can't worship a God who always makes sense to you. It's in the mystery where you find out who you are and whose you are. It's in the mystery where you come face to face with your greatest fears and weaknesses in that space where your feet may fail that you find out firsthand that Jesus is enough and what you're not, he is, and when you can't, he can. It's in that space where your heart is primed for wonder, your spirit is ready to worship. When Jesus finally woke up in that boat and calmed the storm, which he did, the Bible says the disciples were terrified and they wondered and marveled at the same time. Who is this man that the storms and the waves do what he says? I have this hunch that wonder and worship happen right above all of our Christianese and the easy answers we give when we don't always know. You can relearn wonder by saying, I don't know, but I'm here. Let's go to Jesus. Donald Miller says this, too much of our time is spent trying to chart God on a grid and too little is spent allowing our hearts to feel awe. 
By reducing Christian spirituality to formula, we deprive our hearts of wonder. So even like trying to explain something, for instance, the complexity of the mystery of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we can understand it to an extent. There's great books written about it, great sermons have been given about it, commentaries written about it, but we, like only to an extent, and then our illustrations fall short, right? No, the Trinity is just, it's an egg. It's the shell, the yolk, and the egg white. Three parts, but it's all, it's all the egg. That's what the Trinity is. No, it's water. It's, it's, uh, it's gaseous, liquid, and, and solid. Three different phases, but it's all water. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, tri-unity, Trinity. It's, that, it's not just that simple. We can understand this stuff to an extent, okay? But there are things about your God you will never fully be able to understand, and and you must learn not just to embrace that. You must learn to enjoy that. Enjoy that tinge of fear that you get when you're standing in front of something like the Rocky Mountains with all of their imposing grandeur or when you're sleeping beneath a starry night sky with zero light pollution and you reach your hand up and you realize how endless it all is and it occurs to you you're laying on a planet that is suspended in a void of nothingness and you have no idea how it all works and yet at the same time you feel safely part of it or when you're getting knocked around by the waves at the beach and it occurs to you that the ocean could kill you so fast if it wanted to. There is something so paradoxically exhilarating about how absolutely terrifying mystery is. It primes your heart for wonder. Psalm 33, this is David. All he had to do was speak by his spirit when command. The breath, God's breath. That's all he had to do was breathe and he created the heavenlies. A lot more on this next week. I'm already, I'm already so fired up. Filled with galaxies and stars, the vast cosmos he wonderfully made. His voice scooped out the seas. The ocean depths he poured into vast reservoirs. The NIV says it this way. He puts the waters of the deep into jars. So I don't know if you've ever flown across the Pacific Ocean. I did a few years ago. It takes approximately 14 hours going 600 miles an hour to cross it. So when I flew over it, it was a red eye. I had a window seat. I nerd out when I have a window seat. I can't sleep because I just look down at this infinite black abyss that is the Pacific Ocean, just wondering the whole time, what is down there, man? Because <laughs> I know all the nerdy stats. Surprise. And I knew when we were over the Marianas Trench, and I know that thing is seven miles deep, which means the distance between the surface of the water and the ocean floor is greater than the distance between our 747 and the surface of the water. And he puts the Marianas Trench into jars. Me, Ryan, and Ethan have been night surfing a few times with each other, which you should never do. It is one of the most dangerous things you can do, so dumb, not just because the sharks are out, but because it's night. There's no line where the sky meets the sea that calls me. It's just, it's all black and it's all eerie. And you float around on your surfboard wondering what is swimming around underneath me. And you don't feel insignificant, but in moments like that, you do feel very small as your God perspective gets bigger and you realize the ocean is no mystery to him. It does what he says. He puts it into jars. You have a God who cannot be exaggerated. So my challenge for you 
is to look for wonder. There's a sunrise and a sunset every day. 14 of them last week, how many did you catch? That sounds oversimplified, it's supposed to. The invitation to relearn wonder is always knocking. The stars are out on every clear night above the head, above the heads of millions of people who are way too busy to look up. Can you fall in love again with feeling small? Because out there beyond the stars is a galaxy-making God a star-breathing God who has all the math figured out, but he's not just out there. He's also a deeply personal God who is right here to be your friend. Like, can you explain that? Because I can't. So here's my challenge to you. Enjoy the fact that you can't. Enjoy the fact that no theologian is right. Oh, a lot of them are onto something, but nobody can explain the mysteries fully of your God. There is nobody like him, and there will never be. Without mystery, there is no wonder. Without wonder, no worship. You wanna relearn wonder and recapture that. You must learn to enjoy mystery, amen? Enjoy mystery. Number two, practice curiosity. Enjoy mystery and practice curiosity. Kids are endlessly curious. I'm learning this. Child development researchers refer to babies and children as mini scientists. I think that's generous, but they observe the world around them with curiosity and constantly conduct little science experiments to understand how it works. That's why babies are fascinated with their hands. This is my four-month-old Kinsley right now. She's just constantly, wow. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> what? Whoa. That's why kids will sit in their high chairs and just drop stuff over and over and over. It's actually not because they're trying to annoy us. At least I don't think so, at least not all the time. They're trying to understand gravity. When I, when I open my hands, it falls. What? Will it do it again? Oh, it did it again. Will it do it a third time, a fourth time? Look, dad picks it up every single time. Kids are endlessly curious. And so here's where I'm getting. When curiosity goes, so does wonder. So the question becomes, as you get smarter, I'm looking at you, this is a smart room. As you get smarter, how do you stay curious? I wrote down just a few practical ideas. Take a new route to work because you can make that drive in your sleep. That's why you get to work, park in your space and go, I don't even remember driving here. I don't even remember driving my 3,500 pound machine at 65 miles an hour the entire way here. This is not good. Take a new route to work. The next time you fly in a plane, just take 60 seconds to stop and think about how stupidly crazy it is that your 90,000 pound commercial jet is floating in the sky before we immediately go, hope the Wi-Fi works. Wanna watch Netflix. Okay, well just remember, you're watching Netflix on a chair in the sky, <laughs> flying through the air like a bird. New York to LA, five hours. That used to take 30 years, okay? So before you watch The Office, 
Please do that, but just, wow. This is absolutely insane. Look for daily details you've never seen before. Have a conversation with somebody who doesn't look like you, didn't grow up like you, doesn't share the same political views as you, but not for debate, but for curiosity. Get curious, why is it that they believe what they believe? Because maybe it's not because they're just dumb, because they don't see the world the same way you see the way. You might find out there's a really cool backstory that very clearly has led them exactly where they are now, and then if a debate happens, now it's through relationship, which is actually Beautiful. Stay curious by asking good questions. We have to learn to ask better questions, and we can learn this from kids. They're great at this. Being around kids is like being endlessly interrogated all the time, and all the parents said, amen. Why are you doing that, Dad? Why? What is that? But why? But why? But why? You know why? Because they're trying to learn approximately everything. <laughs> hey, I see you walking. How do I, how do, I do that? How do I get in on that, right? Why do I have to go to sleep? They don't know. They don't know that falling off the table hurts. They don't know that knives are sharp. They don't know what sharp means or what dangerous is. Will and Zeke at the park don't know you're not supposed to eat rocks. I've had this conversation five times. I'm not kidding, not an exaggeration. Will, stop eating rocks. But why, Dad? Because it's a rock. Well, what's a rock? It's not food. If you're really curious, it's a solid mineral material that makes up the Earth's crust and comes in three forms, igneous, sedimentary, and metamorphic, all of which will give you a tummy ache and hurt coming out the other end. You do not want to learn this the hard way. They're in the process of learning a language. That's so crazy to me. If you were in China, you'd speak fluent Mandarin right now. If you were born in Western India, you would speak fluent Hindi right now. The concept of a two-year-old, a toddler, not just learning about what it means to communicate, but how to communicate and speak a language is crazy to me. You wanna relearn a heart of wonder. You need to recapture what it means to be a kid again by practicing curiosity. Maybe you need to learn a new language or sign up for a, a Discover course. Pick up a couple new books because Jesus says this in Matthew 11, verse 25. This is Jesus, red letters in your Bible. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, and you've revealed them to little children. The most mature adult has the most infant heart. Usually, the more successful a person is, the more questions they ask. It's called an inquisitive spirit. The best leaders are not the ones with the best answers. The best leaders ask the best questions. The real experts are the ones who don't actually think that they are. The day you stop learning is the day you start dying. This is one of our staff values, that humility keeps you curious. No matter how good you are at your craft, choose to be teachable. I cannot work with somebody who thinks they know everything for two reasons. Number one, because there's always more to learn. And number two, because God is constantly doing a new thing. And as Christians, man, we talk and sing the biggest game ever when it comes to God doing a new thing, but we resist him when he starts doing it. Oh God, you actually can't do that, God. Hey, I don't know if you've noticed, he's doing something new right now. It's almost like he's keeping us from going back to something. 
He comes like a rising sun and only the curious are looking east. God, I wanna know what you're doing. The gospel never changes, it never changes, yet at the same time, I don't wanna give repeat sermons every five years. When Emily writes new worship songs, she doesn't wanna just give, like write the same song over again, rebranded with a new chord progression. There's, he is an infinite well of God to know. I want to know more. Those who knock, the door will be answered. Those who seek will find. If you want to learn, you will. Our God never changes. He stays the same through the ages, but our revelation and understanding of him gets bigger and deeper, but only the curious will know. I want to know. Stay curious until you're as curious as George. It's going to hit somebody in about an hour. Enjoy mystery. Practice curiosity. Children are immaturely naive, and that's what makes wonder easy. But then we grow up and we develop a mature cynicism, which by the way is an oxymoron. The temptation I think is to stay there. I think most do. But I know there's also an invitation always knocking for a road less traveled into something called the second naivety. The second naivety, where you relearn childlike wonder, only this time you have the maturity and the wisdom to sustain and steward it. The second naivety, the most mature adult has the most infant heart. Our staff counselor, his name is Gary, he's 75 and has, and I'm not kidding, the youngest heart of any person I've ever met. And he has been through just about everything a human being can possibly go to, I'll go through. I'm, I'm scratching the surface here. Abuse, neglection, rejection, sickness, himself and his loved ones. And on top of that, he's a counselor, which means every day he's more wired in and in tune with the problems of the world than just about anybody. And yet when you're with him, you are with the youngest, older person you have ever met in your life. He's forever a student at 75, still curious, spirit-filled, but in an unassuming kind of way where he doesn't need you to know. He's busy, but he's not hurried. He's got a jam-packed schedule, but he's present for every appointment and conversation. He sees everything in life, even, even the stuff he earns like a paycheck, not as a right, but as a, as a gift. He's learned to hold pain and joy in this, this beautiful tension. And even the smallest things, I've noticed this, like, like my son Will and Gary, they have a lot in common. Gary, the smallest things spark wonder for him. We'll be at first watch and he'll take one bite of million dollar bacon and look at me and go, oh my gosh, Doug, how good is God? Are you kidding me? Did you try this? And I'm like, Gary, you are, you're worshiping God through million dollar bacon. You are experiencing wonder through bacon 
smothered in maple syrup and cracked black pepper and brown sugar, and now that I'm saying it out loud, it kind of makes sense. But man, everything is like an avenue into wonder and worship for him. For Gary, shame is a memory. It's not a reality. He's not anxious. He, he doesn't worry. Does he have things he probably should worry about if you are a logical human? Yeah, absolutely, like all of us, but the unknown is not just a place he's now okay with. I would, I would say he, he enjoys that space where his feet may fail because it's in that area where he has learned to trust God like a little kid again. And because of that, he reflects the heart of our forever young father to the world. Enjoy mystery and practice curiosity because the most mature adult has the most infant heart, amen? Will you guys stand? The second naivety is knocking, always, where you relearn this internal filter called wonder through which to see the world. You experience everything like a kid again, except this time it's not fleeting because this time you have the maturity and wisdom to sustain it and steward it because through joy, the joy of life and even through the pain of life, through the sunny days and even through the storms and through the best moments ever and even through the most painful seasons of years, you have learned to trust this God on a deeper and deeper level. Like my two-year-old trusts me regardless of what's going on. I can run to him at any moment and crawl up on his lap and know that he's not just here as a father who wants to know me personally. He is a galaxy hanging God, like ornaments across the universe out there beyond the stars who has got all of this figured out so that I don't have to. He has no rival and no equal. Now and forever, his kingdom reigns. And right now, this God has the heavens roaring the praise of his glory and millions of angels echoing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. His ways and thoughts are higher than ours. He is the God who cannot be exaggerated. How beautiful and powerful and wonderful is the name of Jesus Christ our king.